Well, if you would turn with me to Psalm 100 and have that open, that would be great. Uh, I wonder if you've ever had times when you've experienced uh, ungratefulness. Um, I can remember times in uh, my past where it's uh, really got me a bit uptight when people have been ungrateful. Um, my mum and dad, as I've told you before, always had made me say thank you in everything that I did. And when I went to people's houses, I had to say thank you for the meal and thank you for this. And, and uh, we, we didn't like it, but we did it. But, uh, you know, I wonder if you've ever had times... Oh, we liked the meal sometimes. Even if we didn't like the meal, we had to say thankful. <laughs> but I wonder if you've had times when you've done things for people and they've just not appreciated it. I remember one time when Mandy and I were having a sort of small group and uh, just very early on in the night, you know, about 6.30, I'd have to start... No, maybe it wasn't 6.30. About 7 o'clock, I'd have to start my travels to go and pick up people from place to place, 20 minute trip in this direction, 15 minute trip in that direction, trip back here in this direction. I came home with a whole full of load of people of cars and there were times when not one person said, oh, thanks, thanks, you know. It's made, made me feel a bit, you know, oh, wow. And then there's been times when I've, you know, might have been involved in something, um, for instance, like taking a wedding, you know, and uh, spending hours and hours with, with one couple in the past. And through tears, we spent hours and hours and then um, taking the wedding and being the MC and never once, just a little thankful. No, 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 thank you or anything. Does it ever get up your goat when that happens to you? Uh, I, I think it, it is. But, you know, I think the more and more we find ourselves living in a place where we have so much, I think we're tempted more and more to become unthankful people. Do you think? I, I think we live in days of plenty, don't we? Uh, all around us there are so many good things for us to enjoy. Uh, really, we live in the midst of like abundance, uh, of wealth. And I think in this setting, even for us here in the people of Wodonga, and Albury and the districts around. I think we can sometimes become ungrateful and we can become presumptuous, you know, about, well, these are things that we just should have, you know, or these are things that are just everyone should have. Australia is a real wealthy country. And I think for us, you know, there's so many people that have nice cars and the latest little gadgets and you know, more than one television in their home and sometimes members of the family each have phones and there's a, often a fridge that's just full of nice food with lots of different flavours. And life just isn't easy going. I think it's luxurious, don't you think? We're doing really well. And uh, the, the thing is that there's not, that's not wrong in and of itself, having lots of stuff. It's not a sin. Uh, but... Right through the Bible, there's so many examples. There are so many examples of people that have a lot. People like uh, Abraham, Job, Joseph, David, Solomon, Lydia. They all had a lot of things, just to name a few of the people in the Bible. Um, but isn't it true that some people who do have a lot uh, don't allow those things to control them, but others allow the other thing, the things that they have to actually take control of them. 
The truth is that there's nothing wrong with having nice things, but there's everything wrong when nice things have us. You know, they take control of us. Being unthankful and taking for granted the things that we have, I think, can quickly rob our lives of the traits of generosity and humility. We become people that are, instead of becoming people that are generous and humble and thankful for what we have, quickly the things and the expectations that we have can turn us into people that are completely ungrateful and uh, rude sometimes, you know. Uh, each time I uh, read through Psalm 100, I'm reminded of this call to be thankful. Uh, the call to be thankful to a God that has given us so much. It's a, it's a um, psalm that, as I said earlier, I, I've, I memorised as a teenager. I was at a church and there's this guy called John Vassler. And he was this guy that was always writing songs and uh, doing dramas and he had all these great ideas and, and they weren't that great really, the songs and the dramas, but he loved doing them. And he asked me and another person to sing this psalm. He did them right to scriptures and, and I had to memorise it. So I memorised it and we never ever sang the psalm, but I still memorised it. Do you want me to sing this psalm? No, no. Sorry, it's okay, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you clapping because I'm not going to sing it or because I am? <laughs> but it's amazing when you put psalms to song, you remember them. And uh, if, if you have a gift in that, I encourage you. You know, it's hard to memorise psalms, but if you put it to words, you can do it. And, you know, ever since that time, there's been often times where I've opened up the psalms and read this psalm again and been reminded of that time. But when I haven't had my Bible and I've been feeling like, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit like I'm just taking things for granted. And when was the last time I said thank you to God? I've just been able to remember the psalm and, uh, and to be able to enjoy all of this psalm. So here's a psalm that just kind of smacks at unthankfulness. It, it's, it's one that helps us be filled with a, with a joy and a thankfulness for all that God has done. So as you look at the psalm, and you might have it there in front of you, you can um, see there... Uh, uh, some good questions that we could ask about this psalm as we come to it. And one is, who's this psalm addressed to? Who's the psalmist writing uh, this psalm to? And if you look in the first verse, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. So all the earth is the subject of this psalm. Um, I, I think we could see, uh, too, in verse 5, it says, uh, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So in a sense... Uh, the subject of this psalm is not just all the earth at the time when the psalmist was writing the psalm, but to all generations, right down to us today. So this psalm is for us. It's addressed to us. It's also addressed to all the people that were on the earth, old, young, all from different people, not just the people of God, the people of Israel, but for anyone, these principles are clear. And not only for those people, but, you know, any generation that has passed since the time of this writing of the psalm, these words are for, the principles are universal that are found here. The whole world. And we're to understand that today as we read this psalm, its truths are to apply to our hearts and its messages are, are, are ones that God wants us to know today. It's exciting as we open it up, isn't it? This is for us. This is for you. 
Question two, uh, question one, who's the psalm addressed? Question two might be, well, who does this psalm speak about? And verses one to three, along with verse five, give us the answer. It says uh, over and over, the Lord, the Lord. His name actually appears um, four times in just these five verses of this psalm. Um, one of those times, he's declared to be God himself. For the Lord is God. For the Lord is God. The psalm directs here our attention to the Lord, who's Jehovah. Jehovah is the word for the personal name of God. It's a personal name for him, someone who we know personally. You know, and the truth is that you can't appreciate the things in psalm uh, just from observing uh, this God and understanding a little bit about him. You can't apply this message to your life if you're not intimately in a relationship with the Lord, Jehovah, the one who you know and love. And, and being really thankful begins right there. It begins rightly related to the giver of everything. You know, if you realise that everything that you have comes from Jehovah, the Lord, if you realise that you are in relationship with God who made everything and therefore everything comes from him, you, you won't be so ungrateful. Thankfulness will start to flow as you realise that everything you have comes from him. Question three is, how's the psalm arranged? Now, if you have a look at the psalm and you look your eye down there, can, you might see some patterns. I wonder if you have a, have a look down there and see yourself. Is there any patterns that you can see? See, um, psalms were originally written, they were songs. And they were uh, songs that uh, people would sing, um, songs that were written down kind of in poetic form. And often the, the words and the phrases don't actually have to rhyme, but there's a rhythm to the, to the words. There's a rhythm to the way it's uh, sung. And, and there's kind of like a, almost like a musical beat to the flowing of the, of the words. And each psalm that you read is distinct. Each is different. Each one has a sort of different message in it too, that a different emphasis, like songs that we hear today um, and, and songs that we sing. They have something that they're trying to say. Psalm 100, as you look at it, is composed of seven um, kind of commands. Uh, another word for these are imperatives. You know when people say, oh, it's imperative that you come, meaning you must. This is something, some things you must do, some commands from God for us to do. And right through, we see these imperatives that God's calling us to do. And following these seven commands, there, it appears that right at the end, um, th there's a final verse that appears to sum up God's character and really gives us reasons for you and I to actually obey these commands wholeheartedly, to give ourselves wholeheartedly to them. So why don't we just go through this psalm uh, bit by bit and we'll look at these seven imperatives and we'll see if while we go through them, our thankfulness can grow and our unthankfulness can disappear and that we'll become people that are, are thanking God constantly. So I think for this, these seven imperatives and, and, the, and the last things that are uh, last verse, a sort of ways that we can beat the unthankfulness blues. If you want to know this morning, how to beat the unthankfulness blues, 
then we're going to find out through this psalm. Okay? So the first one, it begins by saying, shout for joy to the Lord. So the first command is to shout joyfully to the Lord. What a beginning, isn't it? First of all, just the psalmist begins with this, you know, uh, pen, psalm, you know, writing this psalm, and he says, shout, shout joy, shout for joy to the Lord. You know, the, the word uh, shout comes from the word meaning to, to raise a shout or to give a blast. It's kind of like the sound of a trumpet, a loud shout that comes out. And today we use different words to kind of shout praise to God. Uh, praise to anyone in particular sometimes too. We'd say, fantastic, this is wonderful, awesome. You know, and some people say, oh, praise God or amen, hallelujah, great, great. Want to try one this morning? It says it, doesn't it? Uh, shout for joy to the Lord. Why don't we try uh, praise God, okay? Ready for this? And I'm not asking about things like praise God, you know? <laughs> We're wanting to shout, you know, like a trumpet blast, okay? So let's give it a go. Ready? So um, maybe I'll say, God's great, and you go, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, okay? Ready? God is great. Praise the Lord. Excellent. That's good. <laughs> it's kind of fun, isn't it? We're already smiling, aren't we? Let's try one more really big one this time. Ready? God is great. Praise the Lord. Wow. I think the kids will be coming out soon, won't they? <laughs> Checking what's going on. But you already feel great, don't you, when you say, praise the Lord. There's something about it deep within with giving a shout of praise to God. And God uh, says to the people through all across the world and through every generation, I want you to shout words of approval to me. I want you to praise me. I want you to be a thankful people. I want you to sing praise. Haven't you noticed in your life that God does things that are so good that you just don't want to keep them quiet? Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you uh, will be praying for something and it might be something small or it might be something big and you notice God's just answered you overwhelmingly and you just don't want to keep it quiet. This is when a shout of praise can come out. You know, you tell, tell people, God, God, help me in this way. You know, there's a shout of praise going up in our Living Life magazine today because I was reading in there and Dorothy Chambers was talking about her time as a missionary and when they would, they'd been robbed and they were just waiting for things to... Everything was gone and all of a sudden their goods arrived that were being sent um, from overseas to where they were. And they'd been waiting months and months for those to arrive. But a couple of days after they were robbed, here came all their goods back from overseas. It was amazing. A shout of praise. It's still going on. That happened a long time ago. And yet Dorothy's still praising God for his goodness in that time. I wonder what there are things that God's been doing in your life that you can shout joyfully to the Lord for. Lift up your voice. Don't just allow all these great things that God's doing to silently pass by, shout for praise. And in doing so, I think the more and more we do that, the more we resist the temptation of taking for granted the things that God's doing in our lives. And we actually start to tell people about the great things that he's doing and we become thankful people. And we overcome this unthankfulness that's gripping our world. 
The second thing, imperative, is worship the Lord with gladness. It's not just enough to shout or to say praise to the Lord. We're to worship the Lord with gladness. Now, some of you, uh, your translations, and maybe you might just shout out, there's a different word for worship in your translation. Anyone got a different word for worship? Yep. Serve. That's right. The sense of this word worship, and some translations call it uh, serve, is, is that our, our worship is to have about it a sense of service, where we're actually doing something to express our worship to God. And um, there are not many things that will make unthankfulness disappear uh, as quickly as actually getting involved, rolling up your sleeves and giving yourself to God, serving him making your service and your, your giving and your ministry uh, an act of worship. I mean, that's a great way to deal with unthankfulness, to actually get involved and start serving and, and, and really give yourselves serving the Lord. And it says, how are we to do that? How are we to actually um, get it and serve the Lord? Well, it's with gladness. We're supposed to do this happily. Notice it doesn't say here... Um, to worship or to serve the local church. You know, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say serve the pastor and his needs or, that are going on or serve the most desperate needs that the church has. It says worship the Lord. Serve the Lord. So your service should always be to the Lord and saying, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm wanting to serve you as I, as I worship. There's so many churches and you know, sometimes we've been guilty of it by saying, putting pressure on people to say, you need to serve, you need to serve. And sometimes, quite frankly, people volunteer begrudgingly and they sort of take dragged and kicking into ministries. And, and this is not what God had in mind. He wants everybody to be involved in serving. And he wants you to do it joyfully. He wants you to find ways in which where you can serve the Lord with gladness and actually do it in that way. You know, it's rare to find churches like this today because many churches today are just trying to keep the wheels turning. You know, but I think for us, if we don't have enough people for a ministry and uh, we're not going to go panicking, it just might be time to close that ministry down or change the ministry because we want to encourage you to serve, to serve the Lord, not to just keep things going. Now, our leaders will often be trying to encourage you to serve in their ministry because they think it's fabulous and they think that God's wired up you to be part of it and you just got to wrestle that before the Lord and say, Am I, is he doing that? But uh, the, the challenge is for us to serve the Lord first and once you're serving him, You'll joyfully serve your ministry leaders and on teams in all different ways. Now, I want to let you know, it's just not the church here where you exercise ministry. I mean, there are, um, there's the wider church that we can't forget about. And there are so many different ways in which you can serve in the wider church, in uh, para ministry, church ministries. There are many ways you can serve by helping other churches around the world. Again, in the living life, there's a small group that has decided that they'll um, you know, support uh, things that are happening overseas where Christians are working there to help make a difference in the world. And they've said, let's gather together. Let's help them over there. It's a great ministry where they're serving the Lord with gladness. What a vision. 
What a, what a hope this psalmist says that you and I would be serving God, not people, but serving God with gladness and great joy. It's the way it should be. So shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. And it says a third imperative, third command. Come before him with joyful songs. Um, oh, I think it's just wonderful to come to church uh, and sing. You know, I love it, singing. I've just got to say, some of you are terrible singers. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard you singing. But in a group like this, there's bound to be some woeful singers. But, you know... <laughs> Oh, I don't think that matters. It doesn't say, come before God in beautiful tune. Did you notice that? Um, it, it, it doesn't say, uh, sing beautifully. It, it actually says, come before him with joyful songs. Yeah, and some of my most best moments have been next to lousy singers. <laughs> and I've just loved the fact that they've just been singing with all their heart in unabandonment. Not Mandy, no. But, and, and it wasn't at this church I was thinking about. Really, I'm telling you the truth. But just to give everything you have to God joyfully, it just is wonderful. And I think whether you can sing in tune or not, sing joyfully to him. Sing with joy about the God that we're, we're coming before. I think it's, uh, it's great. I love worshipping with other people. But I think we can sing joyfully to God any time of the day. Now, there are so many great uh, CDs and uh, Christian praise and worship things that you can get today. You can have in the car and sing joyfully, or you can sing joyfully as you're walking around or doing your daily work and, and just be humming a tune. Do you know one of the saddest things, I think? You know, we, we get all worried about um, you know, laws that are happening in our country sometimes, you know, um, religious vilification and so many. And I think we've got to be fighting like mad to try and, you know, help ensure that freedom of speech and freedom of religion is always honoured in this society. But I think don't underestimate the witness that a joyful Christian can make in the workplace. Uh, you, you know, you can actually make a great impact in your workplace just by joyfully in the midst of difficult times even, in the midst of hard time, but finding a joy in the Lord, in God, and singing joyful songs. I'm not saying you have to get there in the morning and go, hello, praise the Lord. You know, everyone will think you're crazy. But, <laughs> but you can sing songs of joy in your heart right through the day and praise him. Uh, I think often there are times when you come to church and, or when you come and you're feeling down, feeling flat, but then as we enter into joy, joyful singing with other people, we remind ourselves that God is good and we remind ourselves what he's done. I find on those days I go away full because I've, I've joy, joyfully praised him. You know, it's like the psalmist said in uh, Psalm 42, verse 5, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? You know, he's feeling down and he said, instead of saying, well, I better go and see someone about this or maybe I should you know, try and think some nice thoughts. He says, put your hope in God, soul. You know, why are you, why are you disturbed within me, soul? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my God and my saviour. And sometimes you just need to determine that even when you're feeling down, you can sing a song of praise, sing a song of joy, because 
that will help you to concentrate on what God has done. So lighten up, sing. Even in the shopping centre, you're free to sing. I'm giving you permission to do that. And enjoy following God each day as you sing. The fourth command that comes back is to know that the Lord is God. Know that the Lord is God. It says in verse 3, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. So our worship is not just to be thinking happy thoughts joyfully, but it's actually to, to be intelligent, thoughtful worship. We're to know that certain things about our God is true. And in this third verse, there's a, a list of three things that we can keep in mind as we know um, as we know that the Lord is God. First thing is, we're to know that God is our Lord. It says that, know that the Lord is God. And I think some of us are quick to recognise that Jesus is our Saviour. You know, we, would, we would quickly acknowledge that uh, Jesus died on the cross for our sin and we accept him as our Saviour. And we know that's true when we give our hearts to him. But you know, often it takes a long, long time for people to come to the point where they submit to Jesus as their Lord. You know, as they say, Jesus, not only are you my saviour, but you're my Lord. Immediately he accepts us into his, into our, we, he accepts us into his family when we believe that he died and he rose again. We, we believe that and we're accepted into his family as soon as we confess. But, you know, sometimes it takes years and years of stubborn struggling with our own desires before we finally surrender to Jesus as Lord and make him first place in everything that we do. The psalmist says, know that the Lord is God. And may you know God as your Lord and surrender your whole life to him. Um, Submit everything to him. It also says in this verse that we are to know that he made us first God made God made us he designed us and he formed us just as we are and that's good news Uh, we need to keep that in mind all the time that God made us formed us and he planned us just the way that we are Uh, we look precisely the way that God planned us to look you look just like you are because God wanted you that way So don't get all upset about the way you look. Say, thank you, God. Come to accept that this is how God wanted you to be. And when you do that and you realise that God made you inside and out and he literally formed you, then you can be joyful and live out the praises of God. But if you don't accept who you are, then you might be saying some things about yourself, you know, that I'm not pleased with how... God made me. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm not very good because I'm not as beautiful as someone else or I'm trying to be different or trying to be... But when you accept this is how God wanted you, it's great. This is what he's done. Be thankful that this is who you are. When you accept that, oh, you can then get on being joyful and being who God made you to be. So it is he who made us. He's the one that made us. So we're not self-made people. No one is. And the second thing to know as we look at this, that he's the one who made us, is that God's still working on us. He's still got work to do. 
And we're not all that he wants us to be yet, but he's working on us. So be thankful for who you are now, today, but keep working to become the person that God's made you to be. He's continuing to make us more and more like his son, Jesus. He wants us to become like him in every way. So as you're thankful for who you are, look forward to what you're going to become as you trust him. And the more and more you make him your Lord and Saviour, the more and more you say yes to the things he wants to do in your life. It says we are to know that we're his sheep, the sheep of his pastures. It's saying here that we're to know that we belong to him. It's awful easy to kind of want to be the shepherd in our lives, isn't it? To say, this is what I feel like I'm wanting to do. But the image here is that God, the Lord, is our shepherd. And he's the one that's making the decisions of where we'll go. So when you come to know him as Lord of your life, then he's the one that's making the decisions about where you're going to graze today or where you're going to feed from here or which direction the, the, the flock's going to go this time. God's in charge. Boy, we want to do it our own way. But when we submit to him as Lord, and when he's in charge, when we're submitted to him, he guides us and he leads us, not us. So we're to know that God is Lord, we're to know that he made us, and we're to know that we're his sheep, sheep of his pasture. Fifthly, the command that comes through in this psalm is to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So what does the psalmist have in mind when he says this? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. What are the gates? What are the courts? Well, it seems that this is a psalm uh, that was written with the temple in mind. And the temple was the place where God's presence uh, dwelled. And it was the place where people came to approach the presence of God. And uh, God's presence literally filled the temple. And the temple had its gates uh, as you came in and its courts as you walked into the temple. Um, and it had these places where you would gain access into the presence of God in the Old Testament. Today, there is no temple. We don't have a temple here that we have to go to, to worship God for. And in light of that, how do we enter the gates and the courts to come into God's presence? What, what are the equivalent of the gates that sort of you would enter through to come into the presence of God in the temple? Well, right today, because... God has come in the flesh and Jesus has died on the cross and made a way for us to come to know Jesus personally and his Holy Spirit to fill our lives and, and so we might know him all the time. The, the, the way in which we enter into God's presence is through prayer. We just at any time can come before him and pray. You don't have to be at a church you don't have to be anywhere to, to pray to him. But this is the way. Prayer is available to enter us into his presence all the time. So enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. You don't have to go to a temple. Prayer is available. And Hebrews 4.16 invites us to draw near to God's throne, to, to come to him in prayer and before the very presence of God. And how are we to do that when we come to pray? Well... We're to come with thanksgiving and praise. We're to come and praise him with thanksgiving and thanksgiving. That's how we come to pray. It's interesting when we're talking about the habit of prayer before. You remember we looked at the Lord's Prayer and we said, you know, uh, our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. We talked about coming to, to pray, in prayer to praise God. And we talked about the two differences, praise and thanksgiving. You remember we did that in the habit of prayer? And, and, and that's, again, right in line with what Jesus was saying. Come, enter his gates, enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. When you're praying, give thanks to God. That's going to be a way of really beating the unthankfulness blues. Sixth, give thanks to him. This is the whole uh, theme of the psalm, to give thanks to God. Uh, the writer emphasises this over and over again, the importance of giving thanks. So at this point, when we come to this command to give thanks to him, I just want to ask, do you give thanks to God? Do you praise him? Do you thank him for all that he's done? You know, uh, during the day, during the night, do you, do you spend time? You know, sometimes in the morning, do you begin, you know, with, with prayer and thanking him? You know, at meals times, do you just say, thanks God for giving me this, this meal? When you go to bed and lie your head down, do you say, thanks God for everything I have? Well, this might be just a, a thing today that you want to take to be doing that regularly, to give thanks to God for all that he's done. When I ask today, we could have a, personal application here for you who are leading, um, have leadership roles in all spheres. As a parent, do you uh, thank your kids for things that they've done well? Are you encouraging them and thanking them and, and saying, well done? If you're a leader of ministry area, are you thanking people in your team for what they've done and showing how much you appreciate the things that they've done? Uh, why don't we just flood our lives with thankfulness? Um, the psalmist just says, give thanks to God. And I think as we give thanks to God, we'll, we'll know thankfulness in our, in our lives and thank others all around too. Seven, the writer says, bless his name. Bless his name. The word bless here, uh, give, give thanks to him and praise his name. Praise, bless. The, the word that is, is meant there means to kneel in the Hebrew. It's, it's kind of to, to praise his name, to kneel. Uh, the, the actual um, word is barak in the Hebrew. And the idea is to show honour to God in worship. Come before him and show him honour and give him praise as you come in this way. It's again like what the Lord Jesus said in, uh, how, when he was teaching us how he should pray. Hallowed be thy name. You know, hallowed be your name. Here he's saying bless the name, praise his name. And today, our lives are to be ones that just honour the name of God in everything that we do. The Lord Jesus Christ's name should be honoured in our lives above everything that we do. And it's just terrible, isn't it, when people just use his name in vain and, and are often dragging it down. But in our lives, his name is precious because it represents the one who gives us great joy. So finally, these are the seven things that we're to do. So... The, the psalmist then goes and he says, well, why would you even obey these commands? Why would we do these? Well, there's three reasons and they're all in, in uh, verse 5 of Psalm 100. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Why would we obey these commands to do this? Because he's good, first of all. God is good. He's a good God. And, and we know that. Um, Toby in the Hebrew means he's pleasant, he's agreeable, he's delightful. And you know how different it is to what so many people think God's like. M many people think he's a, a mad God and he's not, he's not happy and he's angry God. But no, the Bible said he's good. His commands are good. His ways are good as we praise him. 
The second thing that this verse says, his, his love endures forever. He, God loves us and accepts us just as we are. He loves us and accepts us based on Christ's death, not on what you've done. And so we're encouraged to live in his ongoing love and faithfulness. And finally, the final reason is because his faithful can, faithfulness continues through all generations. God can be trusted. He's someone you can give your life to as your Lord and your Saviour. God is someone who you can put your trust in because he's faithful. So we've finished this morning. I want to challenge you to be someone who's thankful to God in everything. Would you give thanks to God in your life this week as you praise him? Would you be one that shouts for joy um, all through the week? So why don't we finish up with one big praise God as I say amen. Amen? Great. Now, we're just going to pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you've shown us this morning. Help us to be people that are thankful and grateful. God, in a few minutes, we're going to take up our offering. We're thankful to you for all that you've given us. And as we give this morning, we just want to say thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen. In a few moments.